Hello and welcome to the Maddox Sessions. This is our brand new podcast series discussing all things relating to the experience of being a female professional and how you can leverage your career through personal and professional development. In each episode, we'll invite a guest speaker to talk about their insights and share some of their experiences. My name's Katrina Hinrichsen from Maddox Events, and in this episode, I'll be chatting with Mamp Tagera on the subject of imposter syndrome and how to develop self-love. Mamta has been working in technology for 20 years in companies ranging from the BBC to Amazon and Sky. Most recently, she was heading up a team of 60 delivery and engineering employees across Europe and the Middle East. Whilst in this position, she participated in a leadership coaching program based in Sweden and was so inspired that she decided to find the courage to follow her dreams and become a coach herself. From then on, she has been on a journey to inspire and grow others to be the best they can be so that they can reach their career and life goals. She is now the CEO of The New Leadership, a modern concept for personal leadership. So, Mamta, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So, imposter syndrome really affects a lot of people, but can you tell us what exactly is it? Yeah, of course. Um, so, imposter syndrome is actually very common, um, and it's a pattern of behaviour where people doubt their accomplishments and have a persistent, often internalised, fear of being exposed as a fraud. So, no matter how successful you may be, um, you still might have that imposter syndrome. So it doesn't really rely on low self-confidence or self-esteem. Um, it also affects highly successful people. Mm, and that's true. I think a lot of famous people have suffered from imposter syndrome, like Michelle Obama yeah. and Maya Angelou have said that they suffer from it. So. Yeah, and I think that's really important for them to, like, such high-profile women to actually come out and say that um, because it's such a common um, theme that we suffer as, as women, and actually men as well, but I think it's good to talk about it. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and so how does it actually manifest in individuals? So actually, um, so if I go back to like where it comes from originally, so lots of research on the topic states that imposter syndrome comes from the programming from childhood. So our self-image or thoughts uh, about ourselves are formed early and what's communicated to ourselves as a child is what's rooted within us. So it comes from childhood. Mm -hmm. um, and often when you're uh, feeling like you have imposter syndrome, you feel like you're not good enough, not worthy enough, um, and your inner critic gets inside your head to stop you accomplishing your goals and dreams. Mm. And that's such a big problem for female professionals these days. I agree, yes. So according to imposter syndrome research, there are certain patterns of behaviour showing imposter syndrome, um, and these can be split into five different categories. Perhaps, Mamta, you can talk us through those. Yeah, sure. Um, so the first one is perfection. So this is someone who is always striving, striving to be perfect. Um, and the way it shows up is that these people have extremely high expectations and always feel like they're failing even if they're doing a great job. So, for example, at work, um, if you're doing a great job, you get good feedback, you go home, feel like a failure, you're probably a perfectionist because actually you're doing your job, you're getting good feedback, but you feel like maybe those one or two things that didn't go quite well in the day has affected you massively. Yes. Yeah. Or you might be scared to maybe hand in a project because you're thinking it's not quite right and then that sort of builds yeah. up on stress and anxiety and time delays even. Totally. I mean, I remember when I was working um, in the corporate world, um, checking my emails 10 times over before yeah. I actually sent it out. Yes, Just in case yes. of spelling mistakes. Now I don't really care. Uh, but it was one of those things where I like, you know, I don't want to feel stupid. Mm -hmm. So the commas and the ands need to be in the right places. Yeah, I've definitely had co colleagues coming up to me and saying, please, can you check this email? I'm scared oh, of sending right. it to a client because, you know, whatever. But 
at the end of the day, it's fine, and the client will understand if you make a small typo. Everyone's yeah. human, so yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So people are really hard on themselves when they're perfectionists. Yeah. Uh, the second one is the expert. So these people have to do all their research before they do things like apply for a job or speak up in a meeting. And this is because they're afraid to fail and look stupid. So I guess the way that people do this is by applying for a new job or a promotion. They look at the job spec and go, okay, I can do around 97% of that, but 3% I can't do, so I'm not going to apply for it. Mm -hmm. um, and they won't take that risk to actually go out and try and get that job. Uh, which I think is a real shame because they're probably missing out on really good opportunities. Yes, absolutely. I think that's probably one I personally identify with yeah. because I know yeah. I've done so much research for maybe university applications or job applications and just thought, oh no, I don't have a few of these criteria, so mm. this can't be for me. Yeah. But then actually I've had colleagues who or friends who've gone for similar roles and got it, even mm. though they might not have had the right experience but yeah it really is just down to the confidence and your willingness to learn I think absolutely absolutely so true that's a great example actually as well mm -hmm. um and then the third one is a natural genius so um, these guys are um, incredibly intelligent naturally um, but if they have to learn something new and they find that hard and then it comes natural to them they'll feel like failures mm -hmm. as well so People who have, for example, done really well in their in, in school and GCSEs and a degree, um, and they come to a workplace and have to learn new skills. If it doesn't come naturally, they're like, okay, I'm no good at this, mm -hmm. you know. So I think that prevents them from learning or moving on again to another role that might suit them. Yeah, that's really interesting, actually, because you never think that people who are naturally smart and clever will ever struggle, but exactly. actually, because they haven't had that sort of challenge, yeah. then they don't really know how to overcome those. No, totally. And I think it's such a shame as well. Um, and I think actually this goes back to um, being at school because the way we're educated in school is very IQ based mm -hmm. rather than EQ based, which is emotional intelligence. So we learn maths and history and, and all that sorts of stuff, but we don't really learn about emotional resilience or how to get that job or how to interview and things like that until much later. So I think there's something to be done there actually to kind of improve what we're suffering as adults. Yes, for sure. Sure. Um, the next one is the soloist. Um, so the soloist is where they feel like they have to accomplish everything on their own. And if they don't, it means that they feel like a failure or a fraud. So this is one that I can particularly relate to. Um, during my career and also as a businesswoman, um, I found it really hard to ask for help in any way whatsoever. So um, I'm slowly asking people now for help because I can't do everything on my own and mm -hmm. I won't succeed if I do that. Um, but it's been a real journey for me to ask um, just simple things. Um, even like things like referrals, like sometimes I want to ask someone for a referral, but I just won't ask. Yeah. You know, so I'm getting braver now, but um, it's made my life a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. Is that because, what is it that kind of prevents you from asking? I think it's feeling like I am stupid or knowing non not knowing my field. Yeah. Um, but you're always learning. Mm -hmm. So even though I, you know, I changed my career to do this, um, you know, I'm on a path and I'm always being on a path and I need to realise that there's other people better than me yeah. and people who are more experts than me in sales and marketing that I need to lean on a little bit more to mm -hmm. get that help from. Otherwise, you know, there's, there's, I'll just keep, keep on like feeling that I'm not being good enough. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I saw a Venn diagram sort of image, Ooh. which was just showing how, um, not one person knows everything and 
there's always an overlap between people's skills. So even yeah. though someone may be more experienced than you, there'll always be something that you have that is unique to your experience and that you can teach them as well. Absolutely. So it's really important to when remember. When do we get taught this, though? We I know, get yeah, exactly. This. We should definitely learn more about this. I think so. Sure. I think so. That's a really good shot. I love that Venn diagram as well. It's mm. a good, good example. And so the final one is um, the superhero syndrome. Um, and these people push themselves harder than anyone else. I feel they need to succeed in all areas of their life. And when they don't, they feel like they let everyone down. And to be honest, I know a lot of, a lot of women who do overcompensate. Um, they work really hard. They don't have time for the kids, time for friends, time for family. Um, and they feel like they're failing in every area, so they're never happy. So I think the uh, superhero syndrome is a restraint. The struggle is real, yeah, absolutely. basically. Um, and I think that affects people, especially women who are further in their career and have got kids. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's something which needs to be addressed as well because the work-life balance is so important. Yeah, otherwise it can be really harmful on your sort of mental well-being as well. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, those are the five areas. And I think that um, you know, if you can identify those, I think that'd be the first step to kind of uh, understanding your own imposter syndrome. Yeah, definitely. It's so interesting to see that there are actually five different subgroups because you yeah. never think... You think imposter, but there's actually a lot of different elements to it. Exactly, exactly. So I've been doing some research on imposter syndrome to see how many people it actually affects. And it seems to impact roughly 70% of people, but women are disproportionately affected by it. Um, and especially women of colour as well. Uh, can you talk us through why that might be? Yeah, actually, um, you know, I think having imposter syndrome being part of coming from our childhood... Um, affects us massively and that race can come into it, culture comes into it, um, how we raise comes into it as well. Um, but what's really interesting um, is that there's some, been some research last year from NatWest um, and as its uh, campaign was um, Own Your Imposter, um, it showed that 60% of women who've considered starting a business didn't because they lacked confidence and not feeling that they're the type of person who could actually start a business um, or feeling that they've got the types of skills that are needed. Um, and this is one of the reasons why just one-fifth of UK businesses are run by women, mm. which is really low. So it shows that this is a real problem because women aren't necessarily taking the risk to become business owners. Yeah. Um, and it also felt that the research also showed that 28% of working women feel like imposter syndrome stopped them from speaking in a meeting. It also found 21% have been prevented from suggesting a new alternative idea at work, and 26% have failed to change career or role. Um, so I think what happens is you become embedded in this vicious cycle, where you feel like, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. And so then you don't end up either leaving your job, starting a new business, even to the point where you can't put your hands up and say, I've got a really good idea, this is what I want to do, or, or speak in a meeting, which mm. is, I, th I think is a real shame. Yeah, it's such a shame to not have a voice just because you're feeling uneasy about it. Absolutely, absolutely. And even bigger, which was actually quite shocking for me, was some research been done on the UK economy. Um, and according to the Rose Review of Female Entrepreneurship by, led by Alison Rose of NatWest, only one in three entrepreneurs are women, a gender gap equivalent to more than one million fewer females entrepreneurs in the UK. And the review found that closing the gap between men and women could add an additional 250 billion in gross value 
added to the UK economy, equivalent to four years of economic growth. Wow, those stats are just so huge. They are huge, and it shows that you know there is so much work to be done mm. to actually encourage women to like just be able to um, realize what they're suffering from, be brave, and take risks, and mm. actually um, be the person they want to be. Yeah, I saw a stat actually in December 2018 saying uh, the World Economic Forum reported that it would take 202 years to close the gap. Yeah. And that is just... We've got a lot of work to do. Yeah, yeah. definitely need to crack down on that. <laughs> um, okay, well, thank you so much, Mamta, for sharing your knowledge and advice. Hopefully all our listeners will now feel empowered to believe in their abilities and squash any feelings of imposter syndrome. And, and remember that you are confident, you are capable, and you belong.